Hello, vinyl lovers. I'm Antonio Staropoli. And I'm Chris Myers. And you're listening to Off the Record on Taste of Vinyl. God help us all. <laughs> there we go. Here we are. Yeah, yeah. Welcome. Welcome, listeners. Welcome to Off the Record, where we take a break from the vinyl talk in favor of a good old-fashioned interview. Today, we have someone who has been involved in the music industry for several years. He's currently the lead vocalist for Mouth for War and former frontman of Bruise. We have Trey Roberts. Thank you for being on with us. We're very excited. How you doing? Glad to be here. Awesome. So uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, how you got started in the music industry. You know, what, what inspired you to be a singer? Um, honestly, I, I play guitar and bass and drums as well from like a really early age, just because all my family does. Um, so it was kind of inevitable, but probably late teenage years, I, I had a friend's band, which is actually the drummer of Mouth for War. They were in like an old metalcore band. He's like, hey, our, our singer's a jackass. So we kicked him out. Can you go to the <laughs> studio with us next weekend? And I was like, ah, um, sure. And I, now that's what I do. I love that story. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So let me, let me see if I understand this. You were essentially in another band with your drummer. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then from there, you guys picked up and, and started Mouth for War. Is that right? Um. Not necessarily. That was probably my my breach into doing like heavier hardcore and being a, a front man at least. But uh, Mason, the, the drummer I was talking about, is actually he was in Bruce for the last year as well, and he moved out to Colorado with us as well. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So let's talk a little bit more about your past works because you actually were involved more so in emo and punk before you got involved in anything hard where you say that you just transitioned. So tell us a little bit about your emo and punk roots. Um, Yeah, I actually like from like 12 years old being in like my first bands, it was Blink-182 covers and stuff like that. And until I was probably about 17. I, I mean, I liked metal and stuff, but it was a while until I got into like this kind of stuff for sure. Nice. Gotcha. So, um, so basically it was, it was your drummer who kind of influenced you and kind of exposed you to that harder music. Yeah, for sure. It was a, a really last, last minute thing. Like I said, I had never, I had obviously done like heavy vocals before I did. I played bass in a, in a metalcore band for a little while at that point. Um, but I had never considered being like the front of a band and doing vocals all the time like that. No so shit, man. Kind of dove me into that. <clears throat> that's crazy, dude. Because your voice is like super powerful. Yeah, like, it's, it's like monstrous. yeah, dude. And like, so it, it never even crossed your mind before. <laughs> at least, at least when I listen to the new stuff, I definitely very happy with how it came together and compares. I think I finally found the voice that I was looking for on this record. That's awesome. Yeah, that's great, man. Um, and so you actually put out a solo record, isn't that right? Yeah, like uh, my, my pop punk kind of emo project stuff. Yeah. Oh, okay. And you actually had mentioned earlier that you play the drums, the bass, the guitar, like basically everything. So is, did you play everything on this solo record? Yeah, for the solo album, I did that. I think I just have an EP out right now. I've been working on a full length, but 
when it's just me and my ADHD, it's kind of a spread out process for sure. Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, definitely, man. Um, that's just really cool that you have your own thing that you're involved with, and and it's very much different and separate from you know what you do with Mouth for War. Um, and so you said that there was actually um, an EP that you put out. What what was the name of the the EP that you released? Uh, yeah, the EP is called a recollection, and I just go by Trey D. Roberts. Okay, got gotcha. So Trey Roberts, Trey a recollection. Uh, definitely gonna have to check that out. But so, what bands actually inspired you when you were writing your solo material? Um, definitely Title Fight. That's one of my favorite bands of all time in general. But cool. as I said, I started uh, I started out playing covers, Blink One Eighty Two covers and stuff, and that's just a classic all-time favorite band so i like to take the modern emo with the grunge feel and bring it together with the old pop punk like 2000s pop punk kind of style that's nice awesome. so you're speaking our language man yeah yeah that's a great fusion <laughs> yeah man so i, I don't want to spend too much time um you know on on the solo stuff we do want to get to mouth for war but we are talking about you as a musician so it is interesting to us that you have this solo project and so tell us about you know how you went about recording this um you know because you you said that you're working on a full length right now so like does that happen in between working on the stuff with the other bands? Is it material that you know you you revisit? Did the pandemic play a part in having the time to go back and work on this stuff? You know, basically just just give us an idea of what that whole process was like. Honestly, it, it is pretty spread out with a lot of writing between. I as you you can kind of see, there's some stuff behind me, but I have a studio. I, I produce all of our music and stuff. So awesome. I feel like I'm like. Unlike a lot of people that have a lot of other hobbies, playing games and whatever, I come home from doing whatever and I'm right here. I'm playing guitar. I Honestly, in the very kickoff of the pandemic, we started another band and wrote an EP in like two weeks. And oh, wow. it oh, accidentally shit. was some of my, my favorite hardcore songs that I've ever written. And that was during writing some of the Mouthful War stuff as well, along wow. with writing lots of... I can say that some of the songs that are supposed to be on my on my new solo album, some of them are seven years old. Like I was just gonna say, how long have you actually been writing some of these songs for? So se they're several years old. Oh yeah, there's a there's a few that I've brought back from like old, old bands that I played in a long time ago because I've always kind of been the one that writes the music. So, but there's a a lot of like the ADHD factor where I'll go and do like, oh, this old Hogarth I used to be in this band. I'm like, oh, here's 10 demos and i'll be like this one minute that i wrote back then is really cool let's expand on that and then i just end up with a shit ton of songs out of nowhere cool cool that's a great process i love it man i wish i had that kind of drive yeah i, I like to try to try to recycle stuff and i think uh even when i'm not purposely sitting on things sitting on things can turn something into a completely different monster for sure sure yeah definitely man so with a lot of art uh, there's definitely a lot of different places where you can get inspiration from. Sometimes they come from a positive place. Other times they may come from a more negative place. But it can be cathartic when you create something. And in your case, in your more recent work, uh, your music comes from a little bit more of a place where uh, past trauma occurred. Is that right? So something did happen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um... 
the whole record is about my sister that was killed uh, a year ago in January, which was obviously almost the start of the pandemic. So it was a big situation of losing and having a, a, a big, big thing like that happen right when shows are pulled right out from under us. Sure. Sure. So that's, but that's also, even though the pandemic put a hold on us touring and doing a lot of stuff, I would not have made a record that sounded like this if these things didn't happen and if I wasn't stuck at home writing them. Oh, so man. sorry to hear that, Trey. So, so sorry. Uh, you guys. Condolences. Condolences, man. Yeah. Yeah, that's what every song, every song from start to finish on the record, that's what it's about. And and each song probably in their own way is kind of like, almost like the stages of grief. There's a lot of, there's angry songs and sad songs and just that I tried to, I touched on everything that i was feeling that was the only thing i had to do so yeah I imagine. but i think listening i think that it shows i think that you can tell when you listen sure well yeah i think absolutely anytime that you write from a place like that it's always going to sound genuine you know people can just tell i've been listening to a record recently and the artist wrote about their parent who passed away and you can just tell it comes through, you know, and like, I don't even really have to be conscious of the lyrics as I'm listening, you know, I can just kind of be spacing out, but I can still feel it. Yeah. You can just tell that this person poured everything they had into their music. And, you know, in your case, uh, I, I, again, am very sorry to hear that that happened, uh, but I'm sure that the whole thing for you was very cathartic. And I'm sure that, you know, it comes through in every song. I'm sure you'll be able to hear it. Um, but again, uh, we, we are both very, very sorry and uh, our condolences. Thank Same. You guys. Same. Sorry, Trey. And I understand, you know, this is definitely a very uh, sensitive subject. So, uh, you know, it's totally up to you whether or not, you know, you want us to, to keep this in the interview. Oh, no. I, I, I want people to know exactly. Because... Yeah, yeah, I wanted to know. I I think that once you get into even the first song on the record, that you can tell what it's about if you know anything about me. So, and uh, the the situation with my sister is kind of ongoing. So I definitely want the message to be heard. Sure, sure. Yeah. And it's I'm I'm sure it's not something that's easy easy to talk about. <laughs> but I mean, like you know, we we appreciate you opening up about that. And it's good that you want to talk about it uh, because that's definitely something that that helps. Um, and it's good that you want people to, to know about it. And we appreciate you opening up to us about it. Uh, but switching gears, I was going to ask you about what motivated you kind of to transition from emo slash punk to the more, you know, heavy stuff that you're involved with now. But it doesn't sound like there was really any kind of transition. It sounds like basically you're kind of weaving in and out going back and forth between the two styles of music. Yeah, I mean, I kind of always have, at least at, at the age where I was introduced to bands around me, where I could meet guys that were interested in playing stuff other than covers, then I was, I've always been in a shit ton of bands. It's always been like a joke sometimes, like, oh, Trey's got <laughs> like a thousand bands playing today. <laughs> I just, I like, I like creating music. I like playing live music, and obviously I love recording, so that's all I do. If I, if I read, if I 
pull out a good song out of my ass, I'm like, well, somebody's got to play this live. With me, so that's what happens. <laughs> that's great. So really my question earlier about, you know, the transition, uh, there, there is no transition. It's just Trey is going to do what Trey wants to do. He's going to play punk. He's going to play hardcore. He's going to play emo. He's going to play metal. And that's it. <laughs> do yeah, whatever he wants. That's how it's always been. That's how it always will be. <laughs> that's awesome. That's fantastic, that's dude. So now tell us, uh, previously you were involved with the band Bruise, uh, and you guys formed back in 2016, uh, jumped to 2018, you guys are signed, you had uh, a few mm. EPs, um, then you released an album called Grief Ritual. Uh, can you tell us the story, you know, kind of how you guys got signed, the process of writing and, and putting out the album? Can you go over that with us? Yeah, with Bruise. I think that was the first time where I started a band with like a plan from right off the bat, me and my fiance and uh, a couple of our really good friends being from literally the middle of nowhere, a town with less than a thousand people that actually live there. Wow. Um, I was like, Hey, I'm writing these songs and I literally just want to go and play everywhere. I want to tour all year I want to do everything that we can. And they were like, well, we don't go to college and we're graduated and let's just fucking do that then. Sweet. So I think Bruce jumped into that just knowing exactly what we were going to do. We did like 14 runs in a year. I'm pretty sure in wow. the first like year of us being a real band. And I definitely think that caught some attention. I, I randomly just reached out to buddy at unbeaten and I was like, Hey, uh, I know you signed No Victory, which is one of the only other bands from Indiana. Like, maybe you want to check this out. And he was like, dude, just hit me up when your record's down and we'll talk about it. And yeah, Buddy, Buddy's yeah, a great man. dude. Unbeaten is awesome. Uh, that was a, a great thing to be a part of. That's great, man. So it happened yeah. pretty uh, organically. Yeah, it really did. It sounds like everybody was on the same page and was just like, let's fucking do this. Yeah, exactly. But, That's great. Um, in, in, in the same breath, it, it was the demise of our band. We had a lot of really bad things happen to us throughout the oh, course no. of touring so much. And that's kind of why we ended up bro breaking up. Not not fully, but I think everybody was just over it. I see uh, my fiance was like, well, I don't want to tour anymore. And our guitarist was like, I think I'm going to quit. And I'm like, if I'm losing two people and we're about to move to Colorado right at this time, I'm just going to start a new band. And that's, that's what we did. All right. So you basically just anticipated my next question because I did want to know, you know, what happened to the band. So, you know, essentially you guys, you know, I guess were kind of over it and that was it. It was done from that point. It was a, a huge mix of things. Just, uh, everyone was kind of over it. I guess it was, it was weird. We were, we were all bummed at the time, but like, it was definitely for the better for all of us. And one of, one of the, one of the guys decided that he wasn't moving out here. And then the, after losing one other person, it just, yeah, kind of just fell apart on a slow decline. Wah, wah. No, that's okay. Yeah. Because, you know, you were involved in other projects anyway. Yeah. And, you know, now you're in Mouth for War. Exactly. So let's yeah. talk about Mouth for War. Yes. And so you <laughs> just mentioned that you moved from Indiana to Colorado. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you actually started the band, right? Uh, yeah. I, I wrote everything. I started when... Literally, I can think of probably the night that everybody messaged me and Bruce and said that we probably weren't going to do it. And I was like, well, I'm going to write a song. And that's exactly I 
I sat down, I started writing for Mouthful War immediately. Obviously, I didn't have a name, and I just tried sure. to... I had some little bits of stuff that I was going for with brews, and I was like, this is this is a clean slate, and you should do whatever you want with it. So get weird, do weird breakdowns, and do just see, see what we're going to do next. And at that point, we knew we were going to move out here, and uh, I had one or two friends that I was like, hey, I'm going to have music ready. I want to play shows as soon as I fucking get here. Are you guys down? And it just, it happened pretty smoothly. We were pretty much playing shows out here and recording our EP immediately. Wow. Nice. So, um, good for you guys. Tell us about the name. Um, it's a Pantera song. <laughs> I was going to say, gonna say yeah, yeah. is it Mouth for War by Pantera? Yeah. The funny no, thing there's is there's nothing more to it. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say when you search it, uh, like when, you know, the band name comes up and then the song name comes up from Pantera. So you're like, that's probably where it's from, but let's ask anyway. <laughs> yeah because when i saw the band name that's immediately what i thought yeah, of. yeah 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 it was that's mouth for war by pantera great song too it's a fucking awesome song oh yeah <laughs> it's a jam i just i was just looking for something that kind of sounded sounded hard but kind of kind of neutral for going into it I, I i feel like you wouldn't hear the name and be like oh i know exactly what this is going to sound like sure. yeah yeah that's um definitely the right move man it's very interesting but you know, I'm curious because you say that the name uh, it seems kind of neutral to you. But for me, like when I think of Pantera, you know, like I, I think of like groove metal. So like I'm curious as to, you know, maybe did you have that kind of mm-hmm. did you have that kind of groove metal in mind? You know, when you guys were not just thinking of the band name, but like when you were creating the music for it, did you have kind of a groove metal thing, you know, planned? Yeah, I I definitely say that. Um, I did go into writing the first EP with that as a little bit of an influence, but more so I think it came out on the new record a lot more. Um, I would say more so that it sounds, a lot of our stuff has a really old school Lamb of God sound, and I feel like Lamb of God has a very heavy Pantera influence. So I, I would say that's about where that comes to play. Okay, cool. That's cool, man. Um, I have to say, you know, I listening back to that album uh, reminds me really just a lot of, you know, like older school kind of groove metal because, you know, like the the tracks really do groove. Um, you know, everything that I've heard has that feel to it. So, you know, it, it does, but it doesn't sound like something that was recorded in like 1998. Yeah. You know, it doesn't sound dated. Yeah. You know, and at the same time, it has an updated kind of feel to it, but the influence comes through. So it's really interesting how you were able to do that. Yeah, that, that's exactly what we were trying to do for sure. Just uh, like a, a very straightforward, heavy sound with like a modern metalcore twist to where I feel yeah. like fans of metal, even that you hear on the radio, and then fans of weird metalcore can all enjoy alike. <laughs> That's yeah. a great way. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's a great way to bring all those like those fans together for sure. Exactly. That's that's the goal. Yeah. Now great this mix. the first single that you guys are putting out for this new record is called uh, Manifesting You. Yep. And you guys actually put out a music video for that song. So can you give us an idea as to the meaning behind the song and like what the inspiration for the music video was? Because the music video is actually really cool. Yeah, uh, Eric is a genius. Honestly, um, 
dating back to that us being from a town of a thousand people, Eric Easterday is one of the only people that's from where me and my fiance are from and just happens to be one of the, the best video producers in the game right now, for sure. He's done all the varials, boundaries, lot, lots of cool shit you see Eric has done. And I cannot think of a time where I, I come to Eric and I say, I want to do a video. These are the lyrics. What do you think? And he's always found some way to make it make more sense to me. Uh, even wow. even these songs that I've written and like it's it's always something super emotional and he always hits it nail on the head. I, I, I just send him the lyrics and, and to answer the other part of the question, specifically this song is kind of about some like really vivid nightmares that I had during the time of like processing the things with my sister sure. and just like just a general grieving song for sure. So yeah. Eric, uh, he said, uh, we need a couple normie looking people that, you know, and we're going to get them all <laughs> dressed up and kind of symbolize, uh, him, him dancing with this girl and she disappears. Um, and like, he's, he's seeing her, her silhouette and shadows, like the shadows in my room and trying to run around scrambling, trying to find this woman in the castle. And it, it's perfect for what the song goes for. The quality of the video is gorgeous and the, the story really comes across and it's oh, yeah. beautiful. And I'm very happy with how it came together. And uh, it was a long ass day in a fucking weird ass place, but it was very <laughs> worth it. It was very cold. <laughs> I believe it. So it's interesting because it almost sounds like the way that you were describing it when you gave the director the lyrics, he was coming up with these ideas. It almost seems like when you write, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but it seems like you write from a place kind of subconsciously. It's a kind of subconscious process. And then when you take these lyrics and ideas to the director, uh, which he seems to be like an insightful kind of person, he's able to kind of interpret it. And, you know, you come to the realization, you're like, oh, oh, wow, that's like, that's what that means. No, that, you're saying you're exactly right. That's exactly what I'm saying. It's just almost like giving small new meanings to the things just from seeing it from someone else's perspective. It definitely seems like Eric took the story and like the, the lyrics to a whole nother level by like really, like Antonio said, being like, Kind of interpreting, yeah, interpreting in his in his own way, but like also yeah. on the same level as as what you were going for. Yeah, absolutely. And he's always just been so good at that. I think there might be obviously. I, I said I've known him since I was probably thirteen or fourteen, and I feel like that was that's a connection that's worked well between us because we can just we flow with ideas together really well. And the guy's just a genius. He's he's done everything every music video that i've done since i was uh 18 years old i think um, wow done videos for my emo band hogarth he just did videos for another band that i'm in right now with members of mouth for war that's sick man oh yeah the the first show that he ever shot was my band in a, a little garage in our hometown oh that's awesome man that's really cool yeah, it's, it's great to have friends like him and especially to be able to live on opposite sides of the country and us have still been able to work together nonstop. It's, it's, sure. it's definitely a special thing. Yeah, that, definitely. That makes me wonder, like, so you have Eric as like, you know, the guy who does your videos. Um, uh, do you have somebody who's on the same level, like that's a, that produces your albums or like that you think that you constantly work with, like uh, on that kind of level? I do all the engineering and mixing, but our mastering engineer is uh, Pete Grossman at Bricktop. Okay. Um, I've just, ever since I, I sent my first mix off to him to master, it's just, 
it's just clicked. He knows exactly what we're trying to do. He actually, he produced, I recorded an ear kept to the ground, but he did all the mixing and mastering. And I think from there, we were just like, well, this guy knows what we're going for. and just want everything to sound like shotguns going off. So cool, cool. <laughs> Dude, that's fantastic. <laughs> so is that what the whole premise behind the new album, Life Casting Glasses, is? It's just everything just needs to sound like a shotgun? Oh, <laughs> uh, no. Um, I guess no one's actually asked me that yet, but I think it's kind of just like the representation of what was going on with me and pretty much everybody else at the same time feeling very stuck almost sure. just like cast in glass. I mean, as I said, I lost my sister yeah, and then I lost sure. my, my pretty much my band for a year. And we, we also lost another friend during COVID time. So it was, was just it COVID? kind of a medical your friend. Um, no, I, I think it was a heart attack, but it was, oh, oh, gosh. Man. it was pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, that sucks. It's a rough time, rough time yeah. for everyone. Yeah, it is. It's been a rough year, to say the least. It's nice to get all, uh, work on getting some of these tracks out because some of the some of the songs are also dedicated to our friend Tyler, which uh, he was the only reason that Indiana had music where we lived. He he always booked these fests in his garage that are literally in the middle of the cornfield. Oh wow! And he, he's who we lost uh, uh, this December, I think it was. So. There's a really, really large group of people all over the country that are all feeling the same way because we lost Tyler. So I'm really excited to get these songs out for these people as well. That's great, man. Yeah, <laughs> and that's a really nice way to pay tribute really to is. someone that you know you cared about. And I was going to ask what the difference between the previous EP that you guys released, uh, As Mouth for War, is versus the new album that you guys are coming out with, Life Casting Glass. But you, I guess you kind of answered that already, um, you know, just based on what you're telling me, because I'm sure that the first EP really didn't come from a place of that kind of inspiration. It probably didn't come from a place that was, you know, that dark. So it was very probably different, you know? Um, in a way, <clears throat> definitely not anything like i've experienced at this point but at that time it was more of a personal uh like depression ep like a, a, a an inner battle kind of thing uh-huh and that that's what an ear kept to the ground is is about okay okay uh that during that time it, i was just uh we were in a weird living situation where me and my fiance couldn't live together we were working towards moving to colorado so all i did was work and just like sleep in a room by myself and Life just sucked at that time, and that's how all that those songs just kind of fell out of me. Oh, okay. All right, that's that's fair. Yeah. But can you tell us, um, so you have the music video out for Manifesting You, but what other plans do you guys have to promote the album once it's out? That's a good question. <laughs> I don't know. We're just... Uh... I think we're doing a, a lot of the stuff ahead of time. We do have a video that comes out two weeks from today. And then one more video will be coming out right before the record drop, I think, or the day okay. of. But um, I think it's just going to be from there, just pushing it. Maybe some uh, some like more simple visuals that aren't straight up music videos and doing what we can until we can actually hit the road, which will hopefully be later this year. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's tough right now because a lot of people want to tour, 
you want to put out music, you don't want to wait, not put music out just because, oh, I can't tour, so I'm just going to sit on this music. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think it's good that these artists are, you know, doing what they want to do. They're putting this music out and they're saying, okay, we'll release this stuff and we'll just, we'll wait to tour. It's not a problem because honestly, there's so many people out there that are really struggling right now. They're having a hard time. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of people who just love music and who want to go see bands live, but you know, they can't. So the next best thing is, you know, having the, the bands that they love put out this content you know and so even though people can't go to concerts and they can't get on with their lives the way that they want to they you know at least have something to look forward to so it's really good that you know artists are are giving something you know even though they're not able to go out and tour and you know make money that way um you know another thing really is and I know that you're really you're not a, you know into vinyl but a lot of these bands during you know covid they've been re-releasing you know they've been repressing things and you know making you know new records and new pressings and all this cool stuff so that's also been like a just a huge help you know um so you know it's it's great it's it's definitely something that we can all look forward to oh, yeah. and enjoy and you know i don't know if you guys are planning on this or or not but you know uh, you guys may want to consider you know releasing vinyl for the new record because that's definitely something that's also been kind of doing really well yeah i think that's the thing um, and definitely something to consider <laughs> yeah definitely i i do i don't necessarily collect vinyl but i love vinyl not not even necessarily to play it i just love looking at it i do have a couple records that that are uh special to me that i would never sell or anything oh wow specifically uh, i don't know if you've heard the band white reaper uh, no, uh i have I not chris Chris, you haven't heard? No. See, Chris knows every uh, fucking band, usually, so that's definitely a surprise I've to seen, me. I've not heard of White Reaper. It's, what it's kind a, of music? Kind of the opposite of what you would expect me to listen to. It's kind of, they kind of sound like the Cars or like real oh. classic oh, rock wow. sound. Um, yeah, the, I have two of their, uh, their two LPs that they have put out and they, they look insane. I definitely wouldn't give them up for anything. Does it have That's like awesome. sentimental value? Because a lot of times records are, are handed down. Um, these ones weren't, but definitely the record does. Um, or at least the, their record's called the the world's best American band. That's it's kind of a, a serotonin boost kind of record that I was listening to during the times where I wrote the first EP and stuff. Okay. And it was one of the only things that could help, you know boost my energy that's why I, that's why i always turn to that band specifically and in, in any mood if i'm happy i want to listen to that if i'm sad it'll cheer me up that's, that's cool fantastic man so do you actually have a record player do you play the records i don't actually i haven't no, had okay. one in a while but you did at one point okay yeah that's cool man so you're not exactly a collector, but you do own some records and it seems like you have an appreciation for them. Yeah. So that's really cool, man. Absolutely. That's really cool. It's awesome. And then as well, I have I have the uh the grief ritual record that I actually have in like two different vinyl cases in the house and those ones because it's the only vinyl I've ever put out so far. So those oh, ones are always though. on display. That's, that's cool. awesome, dude. So we can look forward to some vinyl pressings for the new record, Life Casting Glass, right? I we think hope. so. <laughs> um, uh, what, what the plan was is... So uh, don't quote you on that. We dropped the 
<laughs> the plan was to drop the song and see how it goes, but it's going fucking great. So I've been asked by at least 20 people when the vinyl will drop. I definitely think it's coming. No shit. That's phenomenal. Well, you I have, mean, we have, we have it all made up, so there's no reason that it won't get made. That's phenomenal. Well, you already have two buyers right here. Hell yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> Dude, put yeah. me down for two. Yeah. All the variants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Seriously, dude. So uh, you guys have the, um, is it, do you guys have the mock-ups ready for it? Yeah, we have like the the whole layout and everything. Not, I don't think we have like a mock-up for the actual vinyl. I'm not okay. sure what, what the colorway or anything would be. Hopefully we could do something really cool with it. Sick. Sweet. <laughs> actually, this is really cool, man. This is like actually unexpected. Yeah, this is a really neat like way to kind of, transition it to vinyl without it were you know too much of vinyl but. yeah when they asked <laughs> exactly. about it i was like i mean i shouldn't i don't know if i should say that i do like vinyl because i only have a few i don't want it to them have to try to base the whole thing around it sure sure I definitely no. Love vinyl. no but i mean i think just having an appreciation for it is a big part of it like yeah it's still I, an important medium for sure yeah i think there's yeah, a lot of people just like yourself that might not even have of you know, a record, but still appreciate the format and know yeah. that like, you know, it's a viable format and it's like, it's, it's a great way to listen to the, to the music. Yeah, I agree. Like if someone were to buy me a record, I would be super excited sure. whether or not I was going to be able to listen to it. <laughs> That's yeah, exactly. how it all started with me. Chris mm -hmm. bought me my first record and I didn't have a player or anything. And I was like, wow, this is actually really cool. I was so stoked about it. It was like, wow, this is actually really neat. Yeah. And it just led me down this path. So like, yeah. And here in we are. Having that record made you buy a record player. But it my, did. It my, did. my reason for getting it for you was not just for it being a present and not just for it being like your favorite album, one of your favorite albums of all time. Yeah. But. Just that it's a piece of art, you know, like whether you're, you were listening to it or yes. not. Yes. It's just, it's so cool to look at. <laughs> By the way, Trey, the album that we're talking about, in case you're curious, is uh, Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge. Okay. That absolutely makes sense. That is also yeah. one of my classic favorites. Oh, that's so awesome, good. man. So Hell yeah. <laughs> so good. I can remember days of being on uh, Windows XP staring at the thing just oh yeah, yeah. 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 My, yeah. My oh my god yes windows media player and they had those things yeah. on there yeah man that's oh, so good love those Dude, things I would sit there for a whole day and watch that shit listening to that why album. did yeah, those things so go away like yeah. why did they go away man yeah. i miss those <laughs> things it was there was that one uh winamp yeah, oh, it was Winamp. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I think I think Windows Media Player was the one that actually had the graphics on it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so totally yeah, did. it was pretty trippy. It was great. <sighs> Jesus, <laughs> man, I could stare at those things all day too, man. I used to love those things. Yeah, just space out. But, you know, they're they're probably still out there, man. You just I'm sure. Probably have to look for it, you know. Now Absolutely. after we do this, I'm just gonna go and, and download one. <laughs> <laughs> just stare at it for a while. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. Um, cool. So, you know, we love to ask bands about their touring experiences, you know, any any tales of, you know, debauchery, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. Uh, so, I mean, between Bruise and Mouth for War, um, you know, we're sure that you've done your fair share of touring. So can you give us an idea about any places that you guys might have been uh, that you've toured that you were like, whoa, this is nuts. Um, 
As far as with brews, uh, Mouth for Wars got to do a couple tours, but not not too much before everything fell apart. Sure. But um, being able to play LDB two years in a row with, or not in a row actually, two separate years, uh, was an awesome experience. That that was a a thing that I look back on with that band and enjoy. <clears throat> and LDB for uh, clarification. Um, it's a fest in Louisville, Kentucky. Oh, it's. uh, I mean, at least for the past few few years before COVID, it's slowly becoming like one of the bigger fests, especially since the Midwest doesn't have a full on hardcore fest like that. Right. It's it's a great environment. It's the best. So you mean to tell me, like in the Midwest, that they don't they don't have certain types of festivals? I don't know, like 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 metal fest or anything. I mean, we get stuff like that. I'm I'm talking more like on the hardcore front, such as like uh, Sound and Fury is on the East Coast or the the West Coast, and then uh, This Is Hardcore, and then Fya, oh, okay. those kind of fests where okay. like okay. hardcore gatherings. There's um, just not. There's definitely a lot of hardcore bands and and people in the the Midwest, but that's like been becoming the gathering place because there's nothing else like it. Okay, that's awesome. Gotcha. Cool. Um, and you had mentioned earlier that your fiance was actually in Bruise, right? Yes. So I imagine that there probably wasn't too much debauchery in, in that band. <laughs> in Bruise? Yeah. Or what, what do you mean debauchery? <laughs> <laughs> Just crazy you, stuff. You know, like um, your, your typical rock star literally. type shit. Uh, Bruce was literally only crazy stuff happening. Ah, uh, okay. oh, okay. We yeah, we've almost been killed about 400 times. Uh, oh, shit. Please tell was, us about that. The last the last day, okay, I'll just say everybody in Bruce other than my fiance are fucking hotheads, and we will try to fight anybody <laughs> that does anything bad. So the very last day of our last tour ever, we had been on the road for 20 days, and oh, we shit. came back into the Indiana border. And uh, there was some drunk driver just being insane, like stopped in the middle of the road with his lights off, like getting out of the car on the interstate. And then we just see him three miles down the road with his car sideways. Well, we come up next to him and uh, Mason throws a drink at him out of our window. Oh, shit. And this man starts trying to chase us. We hit this exit and all I see is this guy go completely in the ditch. And all of us are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You just see him ramp out like NASCAR style, ramp out of this ditch and land back on the road. Holy shit! And literally, yeah, we immediately were like, "Yep, let's go. We're gonna kill this fucking dude. He's obviously super <laughs> fucked up." We stop at a gas station and we we all like me and Mason get out. Mason is an absolute giant. He's he's been working with bricks since he was fucking born. He, he he'll smash the body with his fingers, and uh, <laughs> it was just me and him jumped out. Everybody sitting in our rental van trying to get this guy to get out of his car and he keeps like yelling stuff at us like in this parked in the middle of the road we're in a parking lot and then like we get back in the car and he pulls over and we finally get him out of the road so me and mason jump back out and i see fountain drink go flying hit the car and i just like not even think i got a glass starbucks bottle in my in my hand and as we're charging at this dude I just throw it at this nice ass oh, charger oh, and it explodes shit. right in front of this dude Gets out all wobbling, looks at us all crazy. Like I'm like, we like I won't even have to hit this guy. Like he's done already. He just <laughs> falls into his back seat, like shuffling, and Cole goes, "Gun, gun!" 
gun, gun. And me and Mason are like, oh, yeah, let's just uh, let's get oh, the shit. fuck yes. out of here. I'm, I'm telling you, the second my foot peeled out, you just heard seven fucking gunshots. <sighs> no off. fucking are way. You, are we, you were fucking in a, we were in a rental van and everything in the like at in a gas station parking lot in Lake Station, Indiana. And I hit this corner. And you just hear fucking seven gunshots go off. Holy shit. No. I, I went 95. I turn, 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 driveway lights off. <laughs> like, it was. Oh, shit. That was our last tour. <laughs> this is some. This is some heavy debauchery. This is. That, this that's is not debauchery. That's fucking mayhem. <laughs> uh, no, that's, uh, that's not mentioning the two different times our whole band got arrested. Oh, man. Oh, tell us about those oh, times. Expand. What happened okay. there? <laughs> Well, I mean, they were both for weed because we were from Indiana. And of course. Okay, right on, right on. Actually, the first time we were, when we all started smoking weed a lot, we didn't, we were really careless. And I guess we just didn't think we were going to get in trouble. So we'd leave all our shit in our pockets and stuff on the road, <laughs> driving in the middle of the night. And literally, I mean, Arkansas is the Bible Belt of hell. Oh, shit. The second we cross the line, like, it's literally the state line lights go off. And, like, oh, no. They search our stuff, and they, yeah, uh, they threw us all in jail overnight and made just pay a bunch of money. Like, the band we were on tour with, Omerda, they're, like, calling us. And we're like, we're at the show. Where the fuck are you guys? And then all of a sudden, we're like, yo, we were in jail, dude. We're on our way. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, oh, The man. other time the cops actually, we were at home. I'm going to mention both times that our one guitarist, Braxton, has somehow gotten out of it. He's somehow – the first time he, he uh, sprained his knee or something, so he wasn't on the tour. Oh. The second time, I had – I just took this man home. I was like – obviously, I don't want my friend to go to jail, but I was like, fuck you, dude. How did you – like all four, members, all four members of our band except him both times went to jail. I had just wow. taken him home. The, the cops oh. like – raided our venue slash apartment that we lived in and arrested six of us over two grams of pot damn <laughs> dude yeah oh, for crying out loud is there any possibility that they may make it legal for recreational use because i live in new jersey and they just made it legal for recreation yeah, i heard about that i don't know do you think that's something that uh may happen in indiana probably not right I colorado that- for sure it's already done. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, you're in Colorado now. Yeah, so that doesn't not, even I mean, fucking matter. That's not why I live here, but that's a big plus of living <laughs> sure. here. But I, I think that one day the whole country will definitely be legalized, but Indiana's yeah. going to be one of the last ones. <laughs> <laughs> this is great stuff. This is great stuff. Oh, my God. Yeah, dude. I, honestly, I can't believe dude. that fucking guy shot at you seven times, man. Yeah, I, I, I can't either still. <laughs> That's fucking I'll, crazy. I'll tell you right now, these are some of the best stories we've had on the show. Like, seriously, <laughs> dude. <laughs> this is the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> oh, oh, my God, dude. So so what you're saying is we should have led with this question, right? <laughs> yeah, that, that was that whole band's career is just stuff like that. Damn, man. I mean, the shooting was the worst one, but still crazy shit. Crazy, man. But Have you guys ever toured with any other bands that you were just like, holy shit? Dude, like, I can't believe we're actually touring with this band. Oh, yeah. Uh, World of Pain. That would be the one with Bruce. World of Pain. I love, I love World of Pain. Uh, it was recently before they, they announced their breakup, too. So right. it was really cool that we got to do something with them. Nice. That's great, man. All right. So can you tell us about any of the shitty venues that you played? Places where you actually 
just despised <laughs> going. Uh, I mean, you told us about the festival that you really liked. Mm. Uh, so what's the other side of the coin there? Shit. Oh, man. That's kind of a hard question. I feel like, like a lot of dudes in hardcore bands are, they are just like stoked to play anywhere. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and definitely. Think, That's a good point. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of out of all the... I can think of weird places, maybe not places that I hated. So, so yeah, maybe not places that you hated, but maybe places that were good places to play, but maybe did anybody ever like screw you guys over with like ticket sales or anything like that? I feel like Bruce was pretty lucky on that front okay. as far as like people not trying to mess with us. Um, That's good. That is good. I'm just thinking back to a place in Houston, Texas, actually the playing there is definitely very cool. There's nothing wrong with any of the people there, but it was in a closed down hospital. Ooh. Um, is where like at the bottom of these hospital stairs, it's just like a really small room. It's really fun playing in there. Everybody washes there and has fun, but um, a lot of bands stay there and it's like, it's terrifying. Like, oh, geez. I don't know how what we do managed you mean to stay by there. stay there. Like stay the night when we're on tour in so, this, in this abandoned hospital. Yeah. It's not, I mean, it, it kind of is abandoned, but like, it, I mean, yeah, I guess. <laughs> so I guess they <laughs> opened it off for, it must have been ran by some type of Latina community that helps out people to like get back on their feet and stuff. But oh, I'm right. telling you what, we stayed in this creepy place. It's super dirty, sleeping on like floor mattresses and old hospital rooms. And then you wake up at six in the morning to live mariachi music every time. No fucking way. Like so loud. <laughs> it's like, I guess they, um, wow. they rent these rooms out or I don't know if they rent for people to do like art and practice and stuff oh, too. Oh, and some okay. people live there. But there's a bunch of like mariachi bands, people playing horns and stuff. But at it's six like you wake up in the, in the morning, morning and you're like, where the fuck am I right now? <laughs> I'm in a hospital. But I, I'm sorry. Why are people practicing for their mariachi band at 6 a.m.? I was so confused myself, but it's a memory that's real. So I guess it happened. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy, man. <laughs> so what is next for mouth for war uh we talked about you know touring and how that's kind of up in the air but like what about you know like live streams um i we've actually talked about that pretty recently um we did one live stream during the pandemic time just from our studio here and i feel it it sounded and looked great but we had technical difficulties for like an hour and then just jumped on so we didn't have that many people watching, but now that we're putting out this record and stuff, we've discussed it as a band and like, we think we can put on a really cool production from the studio. So I think we'll end up doing that uh, pretty soon after the record release. Sweet, cool. sweet. Very so cool. you guys pretty much already know like what to avoid, you know, based on your prior, oh, yeah. <laughs> prior experience. Uh, so that's good, man. That's yeah. good. No more technical difficulties. Yeah, exactly. It all came out together well and it was fun, but yeah, just like, everything got so messed up and everybody's like standing around and all of a sudden I was like, dude, it's on, it's working. And everybody's like, grab your shit. And we just did it. So like <laughs> nobody was watching. I mean, not nobody, but not as many people caught. Gotcha. Well, you know, I mean, these live streams, although they're not the same thing as, you know, touring, they're still good, you know, um, yeah. they're definitely a way to give the fans something in place of a live show. So, you know, it's, it's good for you guys and it's, you know, good for the fans. 
Yeah, exactly. I think it's really important to be creative right now of how you're putting your stuff out. Definitely. Got to think a little differently. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So this album comes out, Life Casting Glass is coming out May 14th. Yep. With that coming out, have you guys been writing stuff for another record? Not really. I kind of diddle around in my free time just fucking around with stuff. But our drummer hasn't been living here for a minute. He actually moved back in like 10 days. And I think that's just how me and him are. We'll take like 40 dabs and then we'll be like, dude, we just wrote a song. (laughs) I think that's what's going to happen. Because right before he moved, we were uh, like, I think we had just got done recording the album and I was mixing it and we were in here. Uh, We just like to mic everything up and just jam because, like I said, I've been playing music with Mason since I was 17. So, like, you could listen to us and think we were playing a song just because we just we just flow together real well. So I think we're going to shit out some really cool songs. Sweet. That's awesome. Just shit them right out, right? Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. That's a great way. (laughs) Honestly, I wish I wish I had that talent for sure, man. It's a good treat to have. I think I mean. I, I definitely flow like that because it's it's all I've done since I was a child, like having having mental problems as a kid uh, since I was in. I can say I learned how to actually record in eighth grade, but I was like trying in, in sixth and, and seventh grade. So it's it's always been a thing like it just happens for me like that, I guess. How how old are you, if you don't mind me asking? Twenty five. OK, so you're cool. younger than us um, by a bit. Yeah. You know, I always felt like. People that were, you know, several years younger than us, people like in your generation, kind of have an advantage over us just because of the technology that was available. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I agree. Definitely. And like the like for me, like I, I would mess around with stuff when I was younger, like Fruity Loops and stuff like that. Yeah, Fruity Loops, yeah. I, that, that was really the only thing I ever used. Yeah, that's that's actually one of the places I started when, when I was oh, in awesome. high school. I was making dubstep nonstop. Oh, <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> That's fucking That's awesome, dude. So like music has just really been a part of your life, man, like forever, it seems like. That's it, honestly. That's the only thing that's been a part of my life. That's great, man. Good for you. You have an outlet. Keep it going, man. Yeah, absolutely. Don't lose that. So Trey, we really want to thank you for coming on the show. We really appreciate you sitting down with us and, you know, telling us your story and sharing everything that you've shared with us. Everyone who's listening, please check out Life Casting Glass once it comes out, once it drops. Uh, If you're a fan of metalcore, if you're a fan of old school metal, new school metal, if you're a fan of Lamb of God, uh, Pantera, any of that stuff, definitely give it a listen. Trey, if you have anything that you want to say, any famous last words, uh, anything that you want to leave the listeners with, Now's the time. I don't think I have too much to say. Just a big shout out to 1126 Records for making all this stuff happen for us. It's It's been great. And I've had a great time talking with you guys and everyone else that's had me on. Awesome, man. Thank you. Thanks Thank for, you very much. for saying that. Everyone, thanks for listening. Follow us on Instagram at Taste of Vinyl and on Twitter at Taste Vinyl. And remember, you can never own too much vinyl. Later, guys. Later. Later.